welcome back to the Lumbertron Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Woods. Today I'll be kicking off a summer series of interviews with my own family. And I thought, what better way to start off than with sharing my own story. I sat down on the couch with my wife on a lovely Saturday afternoon for a chat. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Lumbertron Podcast. My name is Caitlin Woods. But hold on a second. That's not right. That's not right. I'm not supposed to be running this podcast. She's not supposed to be running this podcast. It's supposed to be you. It's supposed to be me. Tyler Woods. What up with that? What up with that? I don't know. What's happening today? <laughs> uh, today, we are starting off the series of the Woods family interviews with Tyler That's having good. his lovely wife, Caitlin, oh. interview him. Which is what this is. Yay! <laughs> How are you today, Tyler? Oh, I'm fantastic. It's an absolute pleasure to be on the couch with you. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it always is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Mm. I, I guess this is how we get started. Yeah, what's up? Uh, I mean, I'm just hanging out here on the couch with you. Cool. Looking at our cat. Yeah. Uh, I got a list of stuff that I could talk about. All right, let's let's see where it goes. Let's start right at the beginning. What do you got? Where were you born, and who are your parents? Where was I born? Tell me about your family. I was born in San Jose, California, and my parents are Ray Woods and Gene Woods. We lived in California long enough to be terrified by a giant earthquake, and then we moved up to Washington, and that's where I am now. I live in Mount Lake Terrace, Washington, and my parents live in North Bend, Washington, about an hour away. You grew up in North Bend? And I grew up in North Bend. I spent my time there. I... What was it like growing up in a small town? What was it like growing up in a small town? It was very small. Uh, I grew up in um, a, what is it called? A, uh, residential it's a neighborhood, private community. Private community. Kind of I mean, thing. we didn't have a gate. It had a, it had a name. It was a named community, though. So that's still better than a lot of people. I suppose so. Uh, but it was up a, a windy, windy road behind Mount Sai. So you know, it's it's a five ten minute drive just into town. So the friends I made were the friends in that community. So I just um, between that and school. I would just, you know, go to friends' houses, stay at home. Uh, I was not a delinquent. I didn't go out and do anything in North Bend. Um, as far as what was it like to grow up in a small town, uh, a lot of escapism, a lot of video games, and just not interacting with the world outside of my home. And that also ties into what I was going to talk to you about next, oh, what's which up? was what were your interests growing up? Uh, what were my interests growing up? So, um, I, I, oh yes, I can, I can draw back pretty far. Uh, as with most small children, one of my first interests was cars. Uh, I had a penchant for stacking cars into long chains and just having lots of cars. I can't tell you the motivation behind any of that. I was just a boy. Cars are cool. Cars are cool. Uh, from there it moved on to bugs. I was all about bugs. Bugs are also very cool. Bugs are very cool. I still think bugs are pretty cool, but not like I did when I was a, when I was a kid. I had wallpapers with beetles and stuff on them. I would get like action figures of bugs, uh, transformers, 
the Beast Wars were huge because there was bugs that transformed into robots. That mm -hmm. was a big deal for me. I liked action figures. Um, my friend had G.I. Joe's. I would play with, play with those. That rhymed. Um. Um, and as I moved forward into uh, childhood, uh, I witnessed the wonderful thing called anime. And so things like Gundams came into my life. And we would go to the toy store and get Gundam action figures, and they were wonderful. And uh, is that like around yeah. where you started to like develop a sense of who you were as a I person? Th I think so. That's when I started taking in a lot of a lot of TV, a lot of Toonami, watching uh, Dragon Ball and and uh, Gundam. But this is also um, when a lot of the fads started happening in the '90s, like Pokemon. I got really into Pokemon. Pokemon cards were huge. I would just collect them and put them in a binder. I played the game a few times, but I just collected Pokemon. I didn't just... Whenever I played yeah. the, the Pokemon, like, trading card game, we didn't know the rules, so we just, like, Yeah, just made make, up, make up your own rules. Yeah, my Charizard wins because it's shiny. It's, it's the best. So, um, yeah, I uh, went through a, a lot of wonderful phases. Pokemon, uh, Digimon, pretty much just an extension of Pokemon, just more cool monsters. Um... Uh, Speaking of Pokemon, oh, what's up? Right now, our our mic that we're using to record. Yeah, Bulbasaur. We got a little planter, uh, Bulbasaur planter, and he's helping us out by holding the mic up. <laughs> he's a good boy. Yeah, he's a good boy. He's great. He's gonna he's gonna grow up to be so big. I don't know what what it's gonna grow up <laughs> to be like, but he's gonna be beautiful. Well, Bulbasaur has traditionally evolved into Ivysaurs. Okay. And then Venusaurs, but he doesn't have anyone to battle against, so I don't know how he's gonna get experience. We'll get to that. We'll fix that later. We'll get it figured out. It's not a priority right now. All right. So going back to childhood, my parents did this wonderful thing. Uh, Easter of, mm, I want to say, I could throw out any year because I don't even remember. Easter of childhood. Easter of childhood. Uh, they got me a Game Boy Pocket. It was yellow. And they got me two games. Uh, Wario Land 2. I'm not sure why Wario Land 2. Why not Wario Land 1? And um, James Bond, and so see that one is more confusing to me, the James Bond one. I don't know, you know, it 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 seems pretty violent. My mom was not; she did not like violent video games. She did not like me watching Batman the animated series because it was too violent. When I came back from the uh, store with my dad one day, uh, with a floppy drive, a floppy disk with a game called Overkill. It was just a top-down space shooter, but it was called Overkill, so my mom did not like that. That's understandable. Yeah. My, my dad got me into uh, video games, I'd say. From, from, you know, the Game Boy, we would uh, play, play games. Uh, I got to watch him play Doom. Uh, but he also played games like Myst. He, he's a huge uh, puzzle fan, a huge nerd, and he, uh, I got to watch him go through the Myst series. And Imagining your dad playing Doom is kind of amazing. My dad played Doom... As a true uh, 90s gamer man would, he used a trackball mouse, the big, the big old ball, <laughs> and he would. Eventually, we got to the point where we could we could hook it up over a network and play against each other. And you just hear him go as as he as he moves the mouse really fast to turn around and try and get me. Yeah, it was it was good that playing up. So that that um, catapulted me into the love of video games. Uh, <laughs> First-person shooters, I enjoyed Doom and Wolfenstein, and, um, yeah, I became a Nintendo kid. 
I, I went through the Game Boy to the Nintendo 64. Nintendo 64. To the GameCube and, and beyond. So, yeah, I grew up loving video games. What about music? What about music? My tastes in music were largely shaped by my parents. I'd say I didn't listen to a lot of music. But I have a distinct memory of the Pure Moods CD that my parents got. And that came out in like 1993 or 1994. But I liked it so much that I brought it into class. And uh, this is back when we had nap time. This was like second or third grade. And we played... Um, Wait, you had nap time in second and third grade? We, ha- we, had a, we had a nap time or like a lights out period where we could that lie is- down. I remember this fondly because... Bonkers. Because I brought in this song by... Um, by Deep Forest to play off the album during the lights off period in like fucking second grade. <laughs> and uh, and so yeah, that was kind of like new age, new new kind of, I, I guess you could easily put it in the bucket of hippie music. Um, but uh, I, I enjoyed it. There was a lot of electronic and stuff. I was, I was very drawn to the electronic music. And uh, through playing old video games, I found myself liking that. And... Uh, so, going through, going through childhood, still not forming any strong tastes. I would, you know, listen to Kiss 106.1. Ooh, pop. This is the Backstreet Boys. Oh, this is pretty catchy. You know, I like this. It's, it's like designed to be catchy. Yeah, though. it's like this is this is working. I guess I didn't. I I just rattle off the hits if they ask me what my favorite songs were. But uh, then uh, a friend of mine, his his name is Zach. His dad, um, he is. I guess, I guess I'd call him a big dreamer. Whenever we, I would go to his house, he'd t- always talk about his dreams for the next massively multiplayer online game where everyone's always, always alive in the world and when you log off, your character would go to sleep and you'd be able to be picked up and moved. It's like an and, Animal Crossing MMO, just less animal. Yeah, but this is like 1998, so he's just like constantly dreaming and telling all these ideas he had. And um, he also made music. And so he turned me onto this program called Fruity Loops, and he gave me this this uh, you know like I don't know pirated copy or demo copy. And as soon as I had my own computer, I was all about that. I was just making these terrible all these loops and stuff like that. And that was a pretty pretty dope like riff right there. Yeah, I, I just take that and you know loop that ten times, and then put a drum over it, and you got yourself uh, that's it. Call it CanDo.mp3 and <laughs> render that out. And so I was like 2002. I was really starting to get into making my own music, but I had pretty much well established that I liked video game music and electronic music. Techno, techno was big. Middle finger to the world. Don't middle know. finger me. Sorry, I was counting on my hand. Um, <laughs> did making music like give you confidence growing up? Did it give you anything? What did it? What did it give uh, me? What like did it give emotionally, me? that was satisfying for you, or did you just do it because it was a hobby that you liked to do? Uh, I think at the beginning it was definitely something that I liked to do. To do, it didn't really give me a sense of maybe a sense of purpose or being like a thing. It felt good to be creative. It felt good to create things. Um, take I'd take it over to my friend's house, and then he would try and make something, and it wouldn't be wouldn't be very good. It wouldn't be as good as what I'm making, and I'd feel good about myself because I had a little bit. I'd been in band for a few years. I played the trumpet. I'm a big deal. Ooh, I played in elementary school and middle school. Everyone played trumpet. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. We just, we just had a whole orchestra of trumpets and one drummer. It was terrible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you know, I had a little bit of musical background because everyone in my family growing up had had played 
in the band, so I had to be in band as well. I didn't necessarily like it, but it's something I did. Did Muriel and Clark also do band? Or was it just Frank? My... This is like a precursor for the future. That's right. My siblings... Uh, yeah, my siblings were all in band. <laughs> um, Muriel played uh, the flute or the clarinet. I think clarinet. Yeah, that and Clark more... also played clarinet, and I think a little bit of saxophone. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, so I got music that runs in my family, so there's something with that. Eventually, going forward, I'd be, it, it was definitely an identity thing. I was the music guy. I could create music, and I was very... I held on to that tightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, definitely, it definitely gave me something. And then you went on to go do art stuff in DigiPen. I did, in fact, go on to do art stuff. Um, in high school, I was able to kind of take my love of computers. I mean, I just flat out say it. I was on the computer most of my life. And uh, uh, sketching in sketchbooks and stuff like that. And I learned about digital art and 3D programs. The same... The same friend's dad who turned me on to music also turned me on to uh, 3D software. He gave me a copy of, of Bryce, Bryce 3D, which is really good at making terrains and things. That's, I made a lot of landscapes. But uh, it certainly uh, elicited a, um, a curiosity in me. And I liked video games, and making them was like, ooh, that's really cool. So I got to take classes in high school that, that fed that... that um, that hunger to create animation classes, digital art. Did you feel pressured to go into that, that kind of field because it was something that... Oh, we'll get to that because <laughs> okay. this, we're still in high school here where I'm, I'm uh, loving it and I'm just doing it for the sake of me. And uh, I think either my parents or maybe the, the computer teacher was like, uh, hey, check out this thing called Project Fun Workshops. It's a DigiPen, a uh, computer game design college puts on these summer workshops for kids to come in and do some cool stuff. So I, I came in there a few times, learned how to make some rudimentary 3D models and make some games with pre-made game software, and it was a lot of fun. So as uh, high school comes to an end, uh, again, i do not sure who suggested it, but it wasn't me. They're just like, yeah, video games, art, this is working for you. Maybe you should consider going to DigiPen. And so I was like, yeah, that seems like a pretty, pretty solid choice. So I kept up drawing sketchbook stuff. I did some more digital art, and I started doing some uh, life drawing for the first time. Not necessarily life drawing in that I'm drawing naked people in figure form, but I'm drawing from life, actually doing observational drawing. Doing horrible at it, but, you know, it's a prerequisite to going to an art school. So uh, lo and behold, I was accepted with my meager portfolio, and I go to the DigiPen Institute of Technology, pursuing a Bachelor of Fine Arts in animation, game animation, something like that. Yeah, I just knew I was in the art path. <laughs> so I transitioned from high school into college. Not much changes. I stay at home. Yeah, because you still lived at home. Yeah, I still commuting. lived in North Bend. I would I would commute an hour, usually with my dad, to Redmond, and uh, and then come back. A lot of homework, a lot of sketchbooks, a lot of drawing, and so for the first uh, two two and a half years, I didn't really make any friends. It was just kind of like go home, go to school, 
do homework, repeat, play online RPGs at home and get lost and just hide myself off from the real world. That escapism. That escapism. I was very good at it. So, um... But you did eventually meet people. I did eventually meet people. We were eventually uh, tasked with things like getting into teams and working on group projects, group animation work. Um, We'd have game projects because DigiPen was set up into a programmer school and an art school and they're actually separate campuses. So if people wanted to make uh, video games, they'd have to go over to the programmer side and be like, all right, let's make some games together. And so at some point I got uh, roped into a game project called Tag, The Power of Paint. And uh, I was tasked with, uh, with doing the music. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm the music guy. I can do this. And there was no one, no one like that there. There was no one doing music stuff. You didn't have like a mentor. Or I didn't have a mentor. I mean, there was a, there was a guy, Brant, who played the guitar. But I mean, he played, he played guitar like in a, a soulful gonna gonna sing and get girls kind of thing he wasn't like he a, did, would just play wonderwall and repeat yeah 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 just, just like play wonderwall very very emo kind of kind of dude at the time but um so yeah i was electronic music guy and i, I found a niche of uh, making making music for student games and uh, ended up going to the independent games festival down in california for the this game tag uh and all of the developers were hired by valve software to go and work on portal 2 which was cool for them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little bitter about that, not really understanding that I was just, I was just, uh, I was just the music. I was just the dressing on the amazing idea that was that game. But uh, I was, I was happy to be a part of it. It was a cool experience, and I went on to make a lot of music for for games. And that was all on the side. There was no uh, curriculum for making games. It was just kind of like, oh, in my spare time, I. I work with people and, and work on their games and stuff. So that was that was cool. I definitely met people that way. So were you doing that on top of also doing your actual schoolwork too? Yeah, doing doing schoolwork. Um, by the time um, sophomore year had rolled around, we were finally dabbling in 3D. I, I sucked at 2D art. I was like, I got kind of decent, but I was never really, I didn't have that drive that a lot of the other artists, and I was bitter and jealous of people who had actually put in time to become good in practice. Um, and so uh, when it came to the computer and 3D art, I was like, oh, that's my jam. I could do that. I'm comfortable here. So I, I kind of excelled at that a little bit. You know, I I would show off when I could, putting, putting polish into weird areas of a simple project and just being like, look how cool I am and stuff like that. Is that like Colin's giraffe? Like Colin's giraffe. The... Uh, uh, we had to make a, a quadruped animation for our final of sophomore animation class. I built this wonderful little giraffe. He just walks a few steps and then bites a leaf. And uh, a silly animation that was floating around the internet was called Collins Bear, which he just like he dances around to an Earthbound song, terribly broken and awful. And I was like, cool, I'm gonna do that with my giraffe. And so I grabbed all the 3D controllers. It's a hit on YouTube. Threw them around and. Put Hold him on. on the YouTube. I'm going to pull him up and see how many views he has now. Yeah, how's he, he, how's he doing? Because uh, I put that online, uh, I threw that out there, and then it blew up. And it was like, this is like 2008, a little bit, a few, two, few years in YouTube. If you look up Collins G, Collins Giraffe is the first thing that pops up. Yeah, okay. There's also a 10-hour loop of it There's now. a 10-hour loop Someone of it now. Someone made that. Someone made that now. And uh, what are we looking at for views? Uh, 
928,000 reviews. Oh, man, we are... When that gets to a million, something's going to happen. Put up 10 years ago. The 10-hour tribute was put up six years ago. All right. Um, Does that one got even more views? I hope so. No, it does not. That would be awful. But the... the like description of the, of the video is yeah. all in German. It's all in German. <laughs> Interesting. So, does Colin's draft have a description? What, yeah. what did I write there? I win. I win. All right, there you go. <laughs> that that was the the state of my mind in uh, in two thousand eight. Um, I was just coming off of um, making silly YouTube videos. I would take. I went through a little streak of taking uh, random clips from videos and putting music over it and being like, oh man, look how well this syncs. This is so funny. I love it. And I just had this natural creativity to make things like that and put them online. And it was uh, it was a good time. And so I was a little, little embarrassed coming into college and I didn't want to tell anyone about it, any of that stuff. But Collins Draft, it has survived. And uh, for a time there was a CollinsDraft.com. I did not make it myself though. We should have played that at our wedding. We should have played that at our wedding, but we didn't. <laughs> Just means we have to get remarried. Yeah, I gotta get remarried. Yeah. So, college. How did, how did we meet? Do how, you wanna, did, how do you we want meet? To continue to talk about college. Let's talk let's about fast it? forward because I did in fact survive college. I I labored on making music and making art and and helping with video games, and uh, I was thrown out the other side into the summer of 2011 after graduation. Still clinging to the the little bit of friendship that I had made in college, uh, I would still commute to Redmond, to uh, to go to to JJ Mahoney's Irish Pub every Wednesday, drink and talk with everyone, um, trying to maintain a, an art portfolio, still trying to get into that game industry, and um, that summer, um, uh, I'm gonna say yeah, Elliot, Elliot threw house parties, good good man. All the all the DigiPen crew would get together there and go dance and do as college kids are wants to do. And this isn't wasn't it wasn't like an actual house house. It was it a wasn't duplex. A, yeah, it was a duplex in like a really quiet residential neighborhood in Kirkland. In Kirkland. Yeah. So uh, God bless his neighbors. Um, yeah. But yeah, this was a thing I'd come to, and uh, apparently I had the the wherewithal to to show up to to a party, and. Uh, I don't know what came over this one night. I must have had the right combination of confidence and alcohol because there was a, a woman dancing on the dance floor and I did as the guys wanted to do and I grinded up all over that woman. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, I guess she liked me enough to, to give me her number. We exchanged information and a, a date ensued. Well, this date, well, while it went okay, uh, it ended with her being like, this is not for me. We're, we're not good together. But hey, I've got this friend though. <laughs> I got this friend though. Spoiler alert: the friend that the guy that the girl that he was grinding up on wasn't me. Yes, and this friend ended up being Caitlin, and so um, messaged her on uh, on Facebook. Facebook. Uh, she worked at Google at the time. No, like not Google proper, but like as a contractor. Yeah, yeah, teenage teenage high school Google, where everyone is is still. Children. We were on the secret campus that no one knows about because the actual Google people can't know that we exist. Yeah, they were just swept, swept under the rug, working on Google Maps. It's really cute. But I thought she was hot shit. I was just like, whoa, she works at Google? Also, she's a girl? What? Let's, Crazy. Let's go out? Let's go out? Okay. So, we did that. I drove, I drove an hour north up to, to Linwood from North Bend in my 
purple PT Cruiser. Which did not have air conditioning. Which did not have air conditioning. And for some godforsaken reason, I was wearing a pea coat. I think it was because he wanted wanted to look nice. It's for me. probably the, one of the the nicest clothes I had. I didn't have a lot of I didn't have a lot of new clothes that summer. Going out into the world, graduating from college, my mom did say like, take the credit card, go and buy some clothes. So I had some jeans, I had some t-shirts that didn't have like graphics on them, and I had my pea coat. So it's July 27th, it's flipping hot, and I show up, pea coat, some, some cider because alcohol, and... You're late because of traffic. And I'm late because of traffic, and okay, hello, I show up at her apartment, and okay, <laughs> so what, what, what are we going to do? I was so nervous when you first messaged me, mm. like, I was trying very, very hard to impress you. Well, that makes two of us. <laughs> Me showing up with the peacoat and the alcohol, just trying to be the coolest guy. Um, it sounds like it worked because we ended up getting in her car and driving to the Edmonds Beach. And uh, well, that's not all we did. Well, you know, that's what I remember starting with. We went to the beach. Did we go to the beach? First? Well, we started. We started at your place briefly, and then we went to the beach. Okay. I don't remember if we actually did anything at your place. We only just sat. Not and, until after. Yeah. We, okay. Movie. So yeah, we went to the beach, we walked around hand in hand, Whew, hard in my throat he there. He was, you were very forward. I was very forward, I put my hand in her hand. That was like, with my previous relationship, it took that guy nine months to even kiss me, which is like how fast like this was going. Yeah, so it was a big deal. So we, we walked around the beach, it was beautiful, it was an amazing place, I'd never been down to Edmonds, it was really nice. Uh, and then we went to uh dinner we had you know five guys five guys had some burgers big old <laughs> greasy burgers uh we we went out on the patio or one of the little chairs and she proceeded to compliment me on how how nice my eyelashes were and then you immediately looked away i immediately looked away i was just like oh gosh don't look don't look at me still uh still feeling real confident Your so eyelashes I, are very i have gorgeous eyelashes everyone i just like to Admit that right up front. <laughs> so, dinner and a movie. We went and saw Captain America. Yeah, there was and, a guy uh, behind us who was just, like, super into the movie. You know, you remember, I, remember I don't I don't remember that, which is awesome that Caitlin has I this memory. I remember that. There's, okay, so there's a dude who was super into the movie. It, it was a pretty good movie. I, yeah. enjoy, I enjoyed it. Um, as I recall, it was, it was dark by then, and we went to the... Um, it is the it was the it was Safeway. Yeah, it's, 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 it's Trader Joe's <laughs> yeah. now. We went to the Safeway and got some uh, some Yoo-Hoo's. Yoo-Hoo's chocolate drink. Because that was uh, like my thing. That was her so thing. Drink a Yoo-Hoo is like a tradition of like celebrating whatever. Yeah, I'd never had that before. It's like, it's like chocolate milk, and uh, so we're we're coming around to the car, and uh, I kind of come in and uh, I, I I come in real close. And I don't think I went for the kiss there, but but it got pretty close. And we, we went back to her place, and was that when we watched Young Frankenstein? Yes. Yes, we did. <laughs> I had not seen Young Frankenstein, and that is just one of your most favorite of movies. Yeah. So she had to share that with me. On my tiny-ass TV. Yeah, so her television was basically a computer monitor, only not widescreen. It was, like, square and small and awful. But it was perfect for me. It was just perfect for us in that <laughs> small little apartment in that moment. It was perfection. My love seat couch that had a giant mm. blanket over it because the print on it was so ugly. Mm-hmm. 
Fond memories. Fond memories. My oh. goldfish died during our date. Yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring that up. Oh, I, I'm gonna bring it up. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So we watched the movie. I got up. Came in close. Made out for a bit. Made out for a bit. Whoa, that's crazy. Whoa, where'd that come from? Get in my car, all enchanted and full of feelings, and drive on home. Think I gave her a call on when I got home. I think you texted me or something. Maybe maybe a text. I don't know. Anyway, we were in, we were pretty much inseparable after that. We were, we were talking every day, and it probably took like a week before I admitted I was in love awkwardly over the phone it was just beautiful. it wasn't even that it was like, just like uh, we had our date on a wednesday and yeah. that friday we were going to go meet at another of elliot's house parties yeah and as tyler was hanging up on the phone that friday when we were confirming our dates he said i love you yeah so that's pretty much where i was at emotionally so <laughs> yeah yeah it was very cute so we were a couple we were a thing how did us meeting impact your life? Oh man, how did it, that how did gave it that just like all of the my my primary um, th- like th- thoughts and feelings, my my goals, everything changed and shifted because I was like, I'm trying to get a job, I'm trying, I'm still trying to get laid, I'm still trying to meet girls and kiss them and touch them because I'm a guy, <laughs> and and at that point I had not interacted with girls. Hardly at all. I, I started to at the end of college, but it was just nothing but rejections and sadness because I was a... Um, let's see how best to put this. Neck-bearded, awkward goof who was afraid of talking to most strangers and didn't have a lot of self-confidence. So, um, yeah, I was a, it was a totally, totally new ball game for me. I was like, whoa, what is this? Someone likes me and... I, I want to I want them to like me more and so really changed my whole outlook on life and uh, not to mention that summer I was actually working out at a gym for the first time in my life and trying to lose weight because at that point I was morbidly obese and um, that previous summer I had had a I had a health scare where I where I I'd found a lump on my testicle and uh, went to the doctor and it'd be nothing. They're like, hey, by the way, you're 350 pounds. Maybe you should think about that somehow. And I was like, okay. Okay, bye. And so I went across the street, got a, got a smoothie, and proceeded to not think about it. Eat away the pain. Eat away the pain. Um, but the, I'd, somehow I eventually um, worked up the courage to ask my dad to buy me a gym membership. Uh, we started getting uh, these pre-planned uh, portion meals, and I was just... We're both now holding the Bulbasaur mic hand in hand. It's very cute. No, I was going to let your arm have a break. Oh, thank you. You need it. Okay. Anyway. So, yeah, I went into that summer, you know, uh, going to the gym, eating these weird meals out of boxes, and uh, so then I meet this girl. Oh, my God. Everything's amazing. So we're head over heels for each other, and within within three months, two months, not even, it was like September. September. Uh, I had found a job, and that was all the opportunity I needed to say, hey, let's move in together. And so, boom. We did. We did. I had a job in Seattle. I had my car, and I left home, and we moved in and started to adult together. That was an adjustment. That was an adjustment. <laughs> so we did the wonderful, awkward things that couples do. We we figured we, out how to go shopping together figured out how to go shopping together we figured out how to unclog toilets as i took my massive clogging <sighs> toilets he clogged a toilet for 
for three days. And it was one of the early dates, too. That really like, good impression to make. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good impression to make. <laughs> Fond memories. Uh, to go- be fair, our first toilet was very small. It was a very small toilet, and I was a very large man. It was not a good combination for such things. But yeah, we, we learned how to be adults. We got we got a gym membership together. We occasionally went to the gym. We learned how to shop. We learned how to cook. We learned how to cook. Being cook, like cook being you know reheating reheating frozen, frozen things, things um, instant mashed potatoes and corn out of a can. Oh, oh good. <laughs> Orange chicken from the um, uh, bargain market grocery outlet. Grocery outlet. Oh. There's still stains from when uh, when a, a ladle of it flipped out of the, the There's pot. There's still stains on my insides. There's still stains on my insides. <laughs> I am still detoxing from that orange chicken, ladies and gentlemen. Like, your mom didn't really teach you how to cook or do anything. Not really. My mom didn't... I didn't have a lot of self-reliance. And my parents both were, like, had a long line of cooking within their blood, but they never taught me anything either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So a lot of what I was doing was just, like, figuring out how to do shit when I was on my own in college. Yeah. And, like, that was okay when it was just me, but now I have this man to take care of. Yeah. Mm. Did you feel feel any, like, responsibility for, yeah. for us? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Of so, I did. Mm. And that might also come from, like, my relationship with my mom, and I know that she felt a lot of that responsibility for us as a family as well. Mm. But that's also, I think, that just something that's a part of me is, like, wanting to take care of others and be responsible for others. Mm. I still have that, like, even with my team at work yeah. and with other teams that I've worked with where they are the people that I protect and take care of. Yeah, you really, really cling to the, the group that you represent around. Yeah. And I'm very grateful for that, 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 what's the nurture, nurturing attitude because I was definitely like in over my head, you know, working for the first time. Oh my God, commuting down to Seattle, driving. It wasn't downtown Seattle though, fortunately. It was uh, Ballard. It was actually down by the, by the boats. It was a small studio called Architect where it was just me, uh, the owners, a couple, a married couple, and their dogs. Their puppies doing some uh, doing some three D work for medical animation, and it was a really cool little gig that unfortunately only lasted about ninety days. What kind of experience do you think that gave you, though? That because gave that me, was your that, first job. It was my first job, and it, and it honestly gave me a lot of experience um, working with clients. Um, you know, uh, storyboarding and putting together deliverables. I got to work on all aspects of a of a three D animation pipeline, just like I learned in school. I got to do Rendering, modeling, texturing, animating, uh, putting it all together at the end, and rendering out the final video. And did it make you feel good using stuff that you it made? Yeah, it made me feel really good. I actually like I'd go into into the like a workday, and uh, it was stressful, but I'd solve a three D problem or something like that, and I'd like because we'd have to like make systems to show things that are complicated inside the human body, cells and all that stuff, and so we'd like have to use use the physics simulation or particles or something like that. And I have to learn. I'd go into work having to, like, learn stuff and feeling good when I when I made it, made it happen. It felt really great. And at the same time, I'm still trying to be an adult, and I'm still trying to, like, just find it how it is. And so there's a lot of anxiety. I'm Figuring stuff out. Yeah, I remember one day driving down to work and, having my first panic attack just pulling over the side of the road and like I can't breathe my vision's all weird uh, and I don't know what triggered it just life but I remember it very vividly and uh, 
every time I drive drive down that road, I still point to the Fred Meyer where, where I pull off and we're in the parking lot. I was like, that's where I had my panic attack. Cool. So, uh, yeah, so that happened and uh, my job ended and I went into a summer of unemployment. Um, spent a lot of time. I spent all my time at home. I don't know what else I did besides being at home and occasionally going to the gym because I had a gym membership. And um, I was very, I was very sore all the time. My back was getting really shitty. I was just like, I didn't know what to do about it. I would just seek out medical doctors, and um, it was just a really rough time. And that's when I started like kind of learning about um, sitting is bad for me. Posture is important. This is crazy. I I bounced from from one one doctor to another. Um, I got massage therapy, I learned about muscles like the, the psoas inside of my spine and how from sitting all day it was tight and I, I began learning about stretching and all this crazy stuff. And then towards the end of summer, Caitlin was like, you know, I could get you a job at Google, you know, I could refer you there. And I was like, yeah, cool, let's do that, that's easy. Which I think is initially what prompted you to like message me anyways yeah was i was like looking for a job at google and so this comes around almost a, a year after us meeting and i was just like yeah let me just let me just go do that now let's is that offer still on the table yeah cool so uh boom got a job at google Woo! we're working together we're working together we weren't on the same team but we could carpool together yeah we could carpool together we could begin begin our synergistic life very very synergized intertwined we, intertwined intertwined and we would we would be in constant contact all day long it was uh it was very uh very fulfilling for me i was able to uh stay what's the word I'm for it's like i was never completely on my own and i was never completely lost into the terror that drove me into that anxiety because i always had someone to be like hey what's up how you doing today how's your day going and we were just always talking and sending us back and forth internet stupid stuff and just like memes and just or just talking about just talking about this whatever. guy at work is just like what is going on with this guy yeah what is up with this guy he's dressed up like solid snake he's got like swords and his hair is impeccable and he always wears oh, vests you talking about David yeah we're talking about David <laughs> <laughs> what is up oh, with I that guy him. what is up with him yeah seriously okay so we started doing keto yeah so. I always wondered, so how did it, how did that come about? She, so Caitlin came to me with this idea of this, this diet called the keto diet. And, uh, and I we was like, all right, let's do it. But I always wondered, where did that come from? Reddit. Reddit. Ah, I saw it on Reddit. Like, saw it on Reddit. People were talking about it on some whatever bullshit thread I was on. It's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Oh, you get to just eat meat and cheese all the time? That's awesome. All right. So... Yeah, you know, as couples are wont to do, we 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 immediately I, I quit doing the the food thing that I was doing, and we were just we we're just eating, you know, lots of pasta, lots of pasta. Yeah, and lots of comfort foods. Comfort foods, very much comfort foods. We, and I think it was easy because we didn't. Yeah, know. we're we're comfort food kind of people, and I'm so still a comfort food kind of person. That's okay. <laughs> so yeah, food was a was a big comfort for us. You know, I I gained back whatever weight I had lost and. The gym was just kind of whatever. We'd go in there and get our monthly training session. and Like, cool, all right. We went through so many trainers. We went through a lot of trainers. 
And um, so yeah, she comes to me with this diet and was like, yeah, all right, cool, let's do it. So we, we went to, uh, we had one last hurrah. We went to Leavenworth, Le- Red Loof's Pizza, got a pizza so with good. everything on it, every every imaginable topping. We put it together. Except for anything that would be healthy. Yeah, I, I, there was no nothing no green veggies. on that pizza. <laughs> no, it was just like carb monstrosity of saturated fat and, and bread. And we enjoyed it, and it was great, and we felt terrible and wonderful at the same time. And then we came back to the real world. And we started on our uh, our meat and cheese and bacon diet. And I, w- I have fond memories. We would go to this online store called Nutrition and buy low-carb tortillas. I wonder how they're doing. They're st- they're, I looked them up last week. They're still doing strong. They were uh, one of the earliest low-carb superstores on the internet before it was a big thing. But we'd buy uh, uh, low-carb cookie mix, low-carb baking mix, low-carb biscuits, low-carb... If we could Syrups, su- if we like, could substitute our sugar or bread fix in any way low carb, we would make it happen. Uh, and so we were we were still feeling our way around it, but this is something we did, and it was great. A lot of almonds, a lot of cheese. So many almonds. So many almonds. I would pack my lunch for Google with a tortilla cut into three pieces, uh, one serving of almonds, and a little uh, cream cheese disc. The laughing cow. Yeah, I remember those, that. Those are my those are my lunches. I would make like quesadillas out of that. Yeah, the quesadillas. Yeah. And so, yeah, we uh, we ate that way and. Uh, lost, lost. Yeah, weight. within a year, I lost about eighty pounds, and I was starting. My life was starting to change. I was starting to think about things totally different. I too had discovered Reddit, and uh, all of the uh, the fitness subreddits, lifting, and. Uh, I ventured, by this time I was venturing into the free weight section of the gym, which was very intimidating for me before, but I felt like a whole new level of confidence when I could come in there and actually know what to do with a barbell, to put on my back and be able to squat. And when I was in there, I still didn't have, like, any idea what I was doing. I was following you. Yeah, I was just, I was just getting all my information off the internet and just, like, devouring it. Become, I was fast becoming a bro. Even though I may not have looked like one, I was still a... Still, uh, uh, you're like a, a gym bro. At I heart. was I was a gym bro at heart, and so my uh, my interior and my exterior were starting to mismatch, and that was interesting for me. Um, my time at Google flew by two years pretty pretty quickly. My contract ended, and uh, I found a another job um, at Microsoft. I got it. I got it. Now your hand can take a break, and I got a whole bowl sore. And uh, another technology job ensued. I was uh, I was judging image relevance or something like that. A very weird niche job that you'd expect not to exist. A very easy job, but uh, it offered me um, a lot of freedom, and I could I could leave the campus and walk across the street to the LA Fitness and go work work out in the middle of my lunch break and. It was really cool. I became super into uh, into lifting. It was really cool. And um, at this point, uh, Caitlin Caitlin's time at Google had also run out. And uh, I was working. You were working at, at Crystal P- Commerce before Crystal Commerce. Right. I was picture at pic- people. At picture people during that one holiday season. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, I, 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 the uh, look of existential dread <laughs> on your face. <laughs> What, right now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I worked at Picture People for one very nice holiday season. Mm-hmm. Um, 
am like a photographer as a hobby. I used to like do assistant shooting as a um, or an assistant photographer yeah, for, at for weddings. weddings. And for a holiday season, because I was out of work, because I didn't get a job imme- immediately after my contract ended at Google, mm. uh, I started working at the mall at the Picture People, which was a crash course in doing just studio photography, like portraits, anything with people, crash course, not even four months. I was there for three months. Yeah, November, just, December, It January, felt like it stressed done. like an eternity. It was a long time. Yeah. And uh, and so that was that was stressful. That was stressful. Was I, it stressful for you? Um, so I, I could I could I could see you you were frustrated and you you bring that stress home, and uh, you also had a friend I don't remember her name. Um, I only only Sarah? remember Sarah. What was Sarah? Sarah? That's all I remember is very very large tracks of personality. Um, <laughs> but uh, she she was kind of an enabler and. Uh, Pretty soon after bringing her into your life, um, I, I remember Keto, Keto was gone, and it was, there was a lot of... Well, I was also getting off the Keto train around, like, before that, too. Yeah. Like... Well, w- regardless of, of, of what your story is, the story I have is I just remember I was... At this time, I was very much driven to going to the gym and, and working out. I, it'd become a thing for me. And so I, I just see her uh, and her friend just... In the in the bedroom watching TV, eating a pizza or eating Chinese food or something like that. Okay, like, hey, I'm I'm gonna go to the go to the gym and I go to the treadmill and just run with resentment, looking at myself and be like, ah, oh, Caitlin doesn't support me. I still I look in the mirror and I I see my old larger self and I'm not and I have a lot of weird conf- conflicts looking in the mirror and running and feeling angry. I remember I remember those those nights just kind of channeling my frustration and developing a lot of resentment. And that was kind of where uh, we kind of started to shift because I became, I, I kept losing weight and became, you know, fitness obsessed. And uh, you weren't really with me on that anymore. And um, it was it was definitely frustrating for me. And so going ahead in the future, I, uh, I kept losing weight. I stopped doing keto and just kind of like started learning about calorie counting. I became very, very obsessive about calorie counting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I channeled that to, to lose a lot of weight. And um, so going forward, I kept working at Microsoft. And I spent most of my time just working out and working and working out and working. That was pretty much all I did. Video games and still holding on to that, that art portfolio sparingly working on 3D like I might get a job in the game industry maybe so I should work on 3D keep my skills a little sharp so yeah for there's there's a rough period between 20, 2014 to 20 even reaching into 2017 where that was pretty much all I did I was I was just the fitness guy I we uh, we got a really cool gym membership at a place called Locals it's yeah. a CrossFit gym, and I, I sprung for their just use the equipment membership. So I was just the guy in the corner, not doing any of the classes, and just working out. And uh, I went through phases doing body weight stuff, doing barbells, and. But at that point in time, I picked up doing CrossFit. Yes, and Caitlin all of a sudden got into CrossFit, and. Um, CrossFit was life changing for me. CrossFit was life changing for Caitlin, and seeing her do CrossFit was like really cool. I was just like, oh, fuck yeah, she's doing all this awesome stuff. And 
I remember when I when I got her into into lifting, it just made me feel so much pride to share that with her and go to go to the gym and just like be like, Kelly, we're gonna do bench press. I'm gonna spot you on the bench press. And, and then and then I discovered powerlifting. And then this one, this amazing human being, discovered the joy of powerlifting. Oh, so good. <laughs> ah, so yeah, I I'd been I'd done like strong lifts five by five and stuff like that so i wasn't like super strong but i i I knew i knew what it felt like to struggle under a heavy squat i knew i knew that the joy and and the curse and so through through crossfit caitlin found out that she really liked powerlifting i i volunteered at a powerlifting meet that ah yes and that was like holy shit this is like this is it. Yeah. And then I started doing uh, strong lifts five by five, five mm. three one. Yeah. And then really eventually started going down the path and becoming. Yeah, and then eventually the conjugate program that Jesse uh, writes out, which is fucking bonkers. Yeah. So eventually, for for all the lifting nerds out there, started doing some West Side barbell conjugate method. A lot of a lot of chains and barbells bands and, and chains bands and, and really weird barbells. Like... Oh yeah, it's it's some weird stuff, but you know she's strong as heck. And uh, she went into a powerlifting meet and squatted like 310 pounds, just like, it's like boop, that was easy. 305. Yeah, and uh, and uh, went to a um, competition uh, over in Kennewick, Washington. That was my first one. That was the first one, and it was, it was really, really fun. And just like sharing that bond of fitness really, really brought us closer together, I felt, mm-hmm. because that was something that was really huge for me. And, um, I just had to, I needed time to do it for myself. Yeah. I I found things that I liked and I definitely tried to impose them on her. That, that's been a, been a theme (laughs) in my relationship going from the fitness stuff to the food stuff or the calorie counting. It became pretty toxic. It became an issue. Yeah. Definitely trying to be like, Oh, you want to lose some weight? Just, just track all your food and put it on this food journal. Oh, you didn't log food today? Oh, what are you, what are you eating this? It was bad. And I definitely, um, I was not, not in a good space. Definitely project. There was a lot of projection and I was definitely trying to own her. I was trying to own her shit and it kind of became, it went from, um, what did we call before? Supported nurturing nurturing intertwined. Uh, intertwined it went from being intertwined to codependent to where uh i just had my own shit and her life and it, that was all i had it was just me and her and i didn't really have anything else so obviously i knew that i loved her so in 2016 i proposed <laughs> and like okay we're gonna get married 2017 do you want to do, you wanna do the, the proposal story? Oh, the proposal story is beautiful. We went up to Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. For our five-year anniversary. For our five-year anniversary. And uh, we had a beautiful day, as you do in Canada. And we were spending the uh, evening going and getting a wonderful dinner at uh, Redfish Bluefish, which is a fish and chips place is just run out of a shipping container on the pier and it's like the best fish and chips in all of canada best fish and chips in all the world. in all the world and argue. so we get our fish and chips and we sit down behind an ice cream truck closed but still that's just for context yeah and uh i was like man this is really great 
the only thing that would make this better if I did some sort of sappy proposal and I pulled out a, a ring box. And a box that had a giant, like, pixelated heart on yeah, it. Yeah, it had a nice pixelated heart on it because, you know, nerd stuff. Nerd always, stuff. Always in with the nerd stuff. So, <laughs> you know, make her ball. We all kiss and lovey-dovey and everything is wonderful. And I cry over my fish and chips. Cry over fish and chips. I just wanted to eat show. fish and chips. What are you doing making me cry? <laughs> Yeah. And then we went to a free comedy show. And it's then true. we went to... Oh, we did go to a free comedy show. Was that in that bar? Yeah. Yes. Ah, oh, I that remember that. Cool. A really cool place. So, yeah. We, uh, we're we all like, all right, let's, let's up and get married. And so uh, we set uh, eventually the date for next year, Mother's Day. Did yeah. a lot of planning. Had a lot of fun adventures. Um, having our engagement shoot. Uh we found a wonderful photographer through the internet, um, and he, thumbtack. yeah, thumbtack. Wow, man, really lucky to find this guy, Alfred. Um, he's the best. He's the best. He shot uh, wonderful pictures of us being nerds and goofballs at the gym and outside. We did engagement photos at the gym. It was fantastic. A plus. Would would get more gym photos. <laughs> and um, yeah, the years roll roll by, and sure enough, Mother's Day, twenty seventeen. We done got hitched. We done got hitched. It was beautiful. Jesse, who was in the first interview, uh, officiated our wedding. Yes. He, he had an axe. It was wonderful. Yeah, we got him an axe. And, uh, yeah, friends and family. Beautiful little space. There were some board games and some video games. We had a TV set up with the N64. Yeah, it was a really, really great nerdy wedding. And then we uh, we up and shuffled off to Maui for Maui. our honeymoon, which is incredibly beautiful. And... Uh, I had a great time being there, but at the same time, I was dealing with so much of my own shit because still, it's still throughout all my 20s, all I did was work out and work, work out and work, and then Caitlin is the one that I love. Those are the three things that I know. The gym, my work, and Caitlin. <laughs> and so we go to Maui, and uh, I try to kind of continue a, this is like the first time I've really taken a vacation, you know, like the... Even when we went to Canada, I was running a lot. I did, like, a nine-mile... You didn't stop working. I didn't stop working out. And so, trying to relax in Maui and, like... People who don't know Tyler uh, don't know that he can't relax. Yeah, so, basically, throughout my, my, my story, you know, working through losing weight and discovering fitness... I somehow adopted the no zero days mindset where I got to do something. I got to accomplish something. Otherwise, I didn't make today worth it. And so I'm always just like, got to always be moving. I became the guy who can't sit down, always walking around. Just it was it was borderline unhealthy. And so we get to Maui, this beautiful tropical paradise. And for one thing, I'm injured from running, so I can't run. So I'm grumpy Uh, and we're not like like paying paying close attention to like food and stuff like that and so like Caitlin is eating whatever and I'm just like freaking out internally like oh my god what are you doing I don't understand all this projection is just being thrown at you I'm eating this banana bread this is world famous banana bread I can't get this shit anywhere else I'm gonna fucking enjoy and I'm just I'm just imploding internally because I just can't deal with this and uh despite all of my emotions it, it's a beautiful honeymoon. Was it a beautiful honeymoon? Yes. It was fantastic. It was wonderful. And we saw amazing things. We did amazing things and went to amazing places and ate amazing food. But still, this is just a theme of me just not 
understanding my emotions and doing a lot of projection. So 2017 comes and goes. I run a marathon because that's just that's just what you do. That's just what you do. You go and run your own marathon. You wake up at 4 a.m. to run a marathon and then get surprised by your wife at the end who makes you a t-shirt. <laughs> oh, I cried so hard. It was it was beautiful. Uh, and so go through 2017. I run a marathon. Then I go into the the winter. I try some powerlifting. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tr- do some of that powerlifting too. And so I try that, and I, I I injure myself. I hurt myself. It sucks. Meanwhile, while all this is going along, um, I look at myself in the mirror every day and I see a lot of loose skin because I lost like 150 pounds. And I I I think I'm I'm validating my my shadow, my belief about myself that I'm gross. And so I was I start kicking around the idea of getting uh, surgery, and um, I'm just like yeah some loose skin I c- I can get that removed and I look into it and it's like thousands of dollars it is ridiculously expensive and insurance doesn't cover any of that, and so I managed to start a GoFundMe. Um, no strangers chipped in I I got banned from Reddit promoting it even though I tried a lot of people loved my story and I got to share it with them but no one gave me money <laughs> no one gave me money and you're not allowed to self promote you do have an amazing story it's a pretty cool story um, I, I'm glad to glad to tell it but uh, yeah, my family and my friends they pitched in a little bit of money and um, I managed to do all of that work I had spent my 20s doing, 60 hour works, work weeks, so I managed to uh, scrape together 18,000-ish dollars. He's drinking. <sighs> That's fine water. Thank that you. That is fine water. And uh, lo and behold, February of 2018, I got a tummy tuck and what do they call it? Flank, flank plasty, where they cut off some of the, the sides of my... They made flank steaks out of me. They make you. flank steaks out of me. And uh, that was huge. That was incredible. Um, it was also the first time I had taken any time off the gym, like... You were forced to. More than two days. Yeah. I'd never taken, like, a week off of not working out or anything like that. And so I was bed-bound. I was... I had a huge scar. I had to wear a compression garment. You had so many was, tubes coming out I of had, you. I had drainage tubes. That was gross. And uh, Caitlin was taking care of me as much as I was trying to take care of myself. You know, I had a walker, which I only used for one day. By the next day, I was the using, next day you were I was using a cane trying yeah. to just walk as much as possible. You recovered really quickly. And I think that was also part of, like, all the work that you had put in mm. before that as well. Yeah, I was definitely in a, a good place to recover. And... Um, Going into this, for what it's worth, I had to, I had gone back on a ketogenic diet because I was like, I'm not going to work out for at least six weeks, so I'm going to stop eating carbs again. So I transitioned back into that and um, I began my my recovery. And uh, within two weeks, I was flipping stir crazy. I was just walking all the time. I was just unsure about my food intake because, you know, I was a calorie counter. I'd been doing it forever. And I was like, I can't trust myself with eating. And this is so hard. And and uh, God forbid I'd just step on the scale and see all the weight that I had gained from, you know, injury, water retention. Oh, God. Uh, so I was I was my, my own worst enemy at that point. And it spiraled pretty completely into... Um, 
depression and uh, I did not like myself. I did not trust myself enough where if I couldn't trust myself, Caitlin wouldn't like me. And if Caitlin left me, then I should just not be here anymore. Whoa! Suicidal thoughts. That's full stop. I was able to at least be there and be like, okay, I know that's not right. I should do something about it. I should look into therapy. And so I started my search for therapists and it did not take very long before I found one and went and had a therapy session and we clicked and it's been perfect. And I've, it's been a whole year I've been going to therapy and there's been such a wonderful change in you since it's, you started doing therapy. It's incredible. I, I, I started with some books like um, uh, Louise Hay. You can Hay. heal your life. Yeah, you can, you can Heal Your Life, which was just huge about like just like self-love, looking into the mirror and telling myself how much I love myself. It's it's still hard, but I do it every morning at least, at least once when I'm looking at myself in the mirror. I look at that handsome man and tell him how great he is. And so... Yeah, I was just like, wow, this is this is huge. And so I was recovering. I was getting back into some sort of movement and, and using my body again. And I started getting into just being intuitive, intuitively eating, intuitively exercising, going out, leaving home. Now, now at this point, I had sold my car to pay for the surgery. So I had to use Caitlin's car. And... Um, so there's a, a lot of, the, I, f I felt very, very, very grateful for you and being able to, to share the car. Cause at this point I started going out and trying to just do stuff, go to like Seattle and go, uh, stand up paddle boarding, go dancing, go dancing, go, uh, <laughs> go to a, um, a game store to try to play board games and then leave because I'm just terrified and anxious and don't want to talk to anyone. Little baby steps, just getting me more comfortable with the world and stepping outside my comfort zone. And so I had a summer of trying to be a, a, a social human being. Um, I had one for little moments of doing a cartwheel in a park and then, okay, I'm going to go do parkour, go to, go to a class and do parkour. There's like a very visible just like chain of just like, I'm going to start doing this thing. Oh, and then this ties into this other thing that like... Yeah, yeah. I found a lot of little things that I really enjoyed and like... I found a parkour gym. It's like a spider web. Yeah. A spider web of interests. A wonderful, wonderful place to go and move and make me feel, feel youthful and awesome. So I was developing a love of movement, just feeling good in my body and uh, still kind of, you know, lonely. You know, I hadn't made any friends for myself since, since college. Um, and my therapist suggests this thing called MKP. What does MKP stand for? Mankind Project. And I'm like, okay, so I go on the website and it's just kind of a bunch of mumbo jumbo about being a man, being a great man and just looking at yourself. And it didn't make much sense to me. I kind of just brushed it off because the website didn't really tell me anything about the information about the organization. So I keep going on, keep, keep therapying. And um, I still am having a hard time making friends, but I have that goal of I want to make friends. I want to make connections. And so she brings it up again, MKP. And I was like, you know, I tried that, but I just don't understand the website. And she goes, well, can I give you the phone number of someone in the organization? And you just talk to them. And 
that was huge anxiety on my part, talking to a stranger about calling a calling th- a stranger. Yeah, and but I was to like, them. okay. And that afternoon, I called this guy Jeremy, and uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, I can I can tell you all about it. It's really great. And why don't you come to uh, to one of these groups? They they meet in in these groups called I groups. And so I was like, okay. So I I meet up with this guy who's like, oh man, he's like way older than me, and he. He's like a he's an adult. He has a he has a big boy job and he has two kids. He has kids and I don't understand, but you know, we managed to connect on a few things on our drive down to Bellevue and he he's also a nerd growing up and playing with computers. And we show up at this this group and it's just a a circle of men outside of this office building all just like shooting the shit and talking to one another. They're all way older than me. And I feel awkward, but I get hugs. I get introduced to them. And uh, what ensues is uh, a circle of just sharing feelings. And the the iGroup is just basically uh, a place to to share feelings and uh, look at parts of of my life that may not be working. And so I I pretty much just stay quiet for the entire first time. And it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in. I was definitely crying by the end of it, just witnessing other men share their problems and feel how not alone I was. That was so powerful, just to hear other people share their problems. There's a lot in our society about like mm. keeping that stuff to yourself, not sharing that. You have to put on some sort of face. And if that's all that you see from other people, then you feel that within yourself that you can't share those emotions. And yeah. feel it. Even if it was never, never specifically said out loud, I would definitely went into just like I didn't, I don't share my emotions at all. I didn't think about my emotions at all, and so coming into this space where everyone is sharing emotions and talking about what's going on in their lives was just like, holy shit, this is it. This is what I need, and so I kept coming back. I kept coming back to that thing. I kept showing up to these circles. I tried some other circles. Uh, eventually, I did a, an all-day circle of men, which was just from like eight to five, being in a circle of men and just kind of like soaking it in. We showed up as strangers and we left as friends, and um, that convinced me to do the 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 training. The that Mankind Project has what they call the New Warrior uh, Training Adventure, which is uh, or the Weekend. It's just a what's not working in your life. Come in and come in and look at it. Emotional boot camp. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of mystery around it because there's a lot involved in putting it on, and it's a very well crafted endeavor to to put men into a a place to to become vulnerable and grow. And really giving any details about it. Yeah. So there's no details other than it's going to cost several hundred dollars, and it's going to change change you, and it's going to be really hard. I imagined it, uh, I described it as an emotional tough mutter, emotional Spartan race. And I was like, you know what? It, it sounds like, it sounds perfect. I'm going to do it. So I, I took the I took the plunge. And uh, one rainy weekend in October, I went down to Washougal, Washington with uh, a bunch of other men. And uh, I went through some scary shit. And um, I met a bunch of other men. I went through experiences I had never before experienced. I was uncomfortable, I was afraid, I felt emotions, I learned about emotions, and I came out the other side a changed man with a mission in my life. A mission statement as well. 
What is your mission statement? My mission statement is that I create a world of possibilities by withholding judgment. And what that means to me is that I I can do new things and go into new situations without making up a story about what's going to happen, what I think it's going to be like, and just do it and experience it. If it's good for me, it's awesome, that's great. If it's not, then I can do something else. But I try new things without making up a story about what it's going to be. So, boom. I go into 2019. I'm, I'm part of this MKP thing. I've, I've done like additional trainings after this weekend. I've been sitting in these circles. You're becoming like a, a real community member. Yeah, there. this is for the first time in my life. I have community. Like I didn't even know what that was. And uh, I even I even start pondering starting my own group. Yeah, I want to start my own one of these I groups. And there's a lot of fear, you know, oh my God, I'm really scared. But I know that that's something I want to do because I want to share this gift with other men. And so I go into 2019 being like, all right, uh, that's my intention. I'm being more mindful. I meditate. I look at my emotions. So that's what I'm going to do. So I started an I group at my apartment complex. One snowy, snowy, snowy February we met. It was like during snowpocalypse. Yeah, we had a huge snowstorm that first meeting. But uh, I still had uh, four other men who who showed up. And uh, it happened. And it was great. And we've been meeting every other Sunday since then. There are regulars. There are men who they 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 need this now that they've found it. And I'm I'm so glad to have provided it for them. It's incredible. Now it's it's not even my thing anymore. It's just like this is the circle. You started. I started it, it to... but now it belongs to all of us. And so that's a huge that's a huge facet of my life right now. It's just like being able to go to these circles share and be come out the other side a better man when i don't share and 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 i'm not visible to others that's when i go back to my old habits of isolating and feeling shitty about myself and just being a being a grumpy emotionless lump the past couple years have been so full of change for you and you've really grown into it yeah it's, it's been exponential with uh after the surgery really making me take a hard look at myself and what i liked about my life and what I wanted and then reaching out finding community and just like ah just jumping headfirst into into life yeah but you always jump headfirst into everything apparently I jump headfirst into everything I wouldn't have known it but she sees me it's one of my favorite things about you Mm. (laughs) yeah just like I jumped headfirst back into a weird diet (laughs) yeah so so again as, as in as is historical for me, every every winter since discovering lifting, uh, I always try to bulk up. I eat a lot of food and I lift heavy weights like it's going to change my life. And I'm finally going to come, come this huge bodybuilder, beefy man. And uh, it never really works. You know, I get a little bit stronger and, and then I become unhappy with how, how, how much weight I've gained. And then I, I try to lose it the next summer. And so... It happened again. It's a vicious cycle. It was a vicious cycle. And uh, it was a fun one, though. I learned a lot about lifting. And uh, I did a lot of did a lot of lifting. And and I was like, all right, I'm going to drop back into this keto diet that, that uh, worked so well back in 2012. That was pretty cool. So I started doing that. And then I start taking in all this propaganda about uh, a carnivore diet where people are just eating nothing but meat. And I'm just like... 
What? That's crazy. That's crazy talk. That's, 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 well, okay. So these people are living. They're not getting scurvy and they seem to be doing it okay. <laughs> all right. So this has some merit. And, um, uh, Black Friday, that's, that's what the end of November, I had, I had signed up for a, uh, a race. I had signed up for a run that, that next year on my birthday. I was determined to run an ultra marathon turn 30 and run 31 miles 30 ish miles so i was like okay so i'm gonna start training for that next year i'm gonna give myself six months and then start that and the, the more and more I, I i read about this this um carnivore diet and how it's great for endurance sports like ultra marathoning and i was like man what wouldn't it be crazy if i could do that kind of diet and then i was just like fuck it i'm gonna try it and so i I threw out all of the crutches I've had for years of like fake sweeteners and all of those sugar-free syrups and those low-carb baking mixes and they're gone. I just took them and I just threw them all out and uh, I bought a ton of ground beef and some liver and uh, some steak and you say liver with what sounds like a little bit of resentment. Yeah, liver. Liver was uh, is gross. It was just like ugh. This is so nasty. This big old gross blob, and I would just freeze it, cut off a little piece, and then just like swallow it like a vitamin pill, because that's essentially what liver is. It's nature's multivitamin. It's got shit ton of nutrients. It's super good for you, but it's kind of gross. Well, that's so, why it's good for you. It's because it's that's gross. why it's gross. Hmm. If um, hmm, I think about what's what's good, what what tastes good and w- good for you, and so I, I, you know, I, I took in all of this information about the, about the, the low, they call it zero carb or carnivore. And it's just anti-plants is what it is. And turns out a lot of people have bad reactions to plants. There are anti-nutrients of plants because, you know, a lot of plants, they don't, you know, they don't want to be eaten. So they, they have things like, like lectins and oxalates that get into the blood and they can really, really fuck things up for some people. And while I had never really had that problem, I was certainly interested in like, okay, maybe plants are not a panacea of health and I can live off meat. So let's do it. So I'm doing this. I'm eating my liver. I'm eating my, my ground beef and uh, uh, lose a bunch of weight, feel good. And then I get super food poisoning. I get super just like food super poisoning. food poisoning. That was like the sickest that I've seen. It yet. was awful. I was just like liquid diarrhea all the time. Uh, food lost all appetization. Nothing looked good. Um, and it turns out it was from eating the raw liver. Uh, you have to freeze liver for a long time before you can cook the bacteria in it away. And so, um, yeah, I got I got my stools tested, and sure enough, it was the Canfilobacter. They tested my poop. And, uh, yeah, definitely liver that gave me food poisoning. So I learned my lesson. And uh, I slowly regained my health, and uh, I, I worked back up to exercise, and I worked into running again, and... I was a I was a meat-based running machine. I had begun my my ultra marathon training and running and just becoming fitness boy again, feeling great. Until I didn't. Until I did feel so great anymore. I just kind of was running and running and feeling shittier and shittier and becoming less and less enthusiastic. 
and try having to eat more and more to keep my energy levels up and just gaining weight, gaining weight, gaining weight. Everyone on the internet said that you can't get fat eating only meat. And I was like, but my thighs, my thighs, they lie. My, my th- tree trunk thighs. My tree trunk thighs are full of ribeyes. <laughs> and uh, it just, it just, I wasn't feeling good. And um, I didn't know what was up. I, I didn't trust my own wisdom. I was just scrabbling on the internet for anyone's anecdotal experience. Um, and then one night, seeking self-love, I did MDMA with my previous guest, Seth Pearson. Uh, and I, I received a lot, of, a lot of gifts, mainly that it's going to be okay. No matter what I do, it's going to be fine. I'm going to be good. Everything's going to be okay. Uh, what am I doing running this ultra marathon? Just kill myself running when it hurts. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good anymore. It's not fun. I should quit that and I should just relax for a while. And that's exactly what I did. I took another like two, two and a half, three weeks of just like not exercising, eating intuitively, feeling good, and uh, just getting back on that self love train. And um, needless to say, I'm still alive. I just still here. I'm still here. I still eat meat, and I don't have scurvy. And I, you're full of love. I'm full of love. I have started running again, though. I did start couch to five k last week. But it's like not it's at not, the same intensity. It's not like a, uh, like an ego. Like yeah, I'm an ultra marathoner. I'm gonna run thirty miles. It's like oh, it's Saturday. I gotta wake up and run ten miles. It's just kind of like, yeah. Just it's, go it feels, for ten minutes. See how you feel. Yeah, just run for ten minutes. Feels good. And uh, I've, I've since uh, gotten in touch with a naturopathic doctor and I've been looking at a lot of my like, like blood work and my genes and all this fun stuff and really, really optimizing my health right now and um, troubleshooting a lot of problems. Like my thyroid is super, super not working too well. I, you know, have like wake up with the temperature of 95 and wonder why my, my metabolism is so low. Or why so, you're so cold all the And why time. I'm so damn cold all the time. So, I'm in a really good place right now. I'm still, I'm still surviving on a carnivore diet. I'm even thriving on not eating for long periods of time. It's crazy. It's been 24 hours since my last food. Why are you whispering? It's just. A... It's a secret. Why is it? This a is the secret that the doctors don't want you to know. Fasting. Fasting. Don't tell anyone. It's our secret. Oh, anyway, turned into ASMR. This is now ASMR again. This is the sound of me eating a ribeye steak. No, I thought you said you were fasting. You can't be eating. Oh, sorry. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> this is the sound of me not eating. So yeah, uh, it turns out um, this 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 carnivore diet. There's a lot of these people who who like they don't eat for days at a time, and then they'll just like eat a cow. And I was like, that's pretty crazy. I want to do that. I want to be like that. And so I, I, I practiced with fasting. I, you know, do like a one meal a day and then just like feel my hunger level and just be like, yeah, I'm okay for a day. I, I can survive. So it's definitely been one N equals one experiment of all of these wonderful things on myself. I feel fantastic. Um, I roll with my energy levels. Uh, when I have energy, I can do amazing things. When I don't have energy, that's okay. I can take breaks and slow down now because I realize that I love myself mm-hmm. and I don't always have to be going 100% full steam ahead. Do you think you've found some balance? Oh, I am finding some balance. The The old habits creep in, um, but 
what's what's big for me now is those awarenesses of knowing when I'm going down old habits I'm trying to trying to not feel my emotions and just like stuff it full of food or numb out or over exercise because it says today is deadlift day and I have to deadlift because it says it's deadlift day maybe I don't feel like it today that's okay yeah that's okay yeah whoo that was a lot of talk about meat it's making me awful hungry I'm really hungry too yeah I have two more questions okay I'm hungry for your questions are you hungry for an answer yes and yes I miss our cat okay well um, what's up where do you find joy in life? Where do I find joy in life? Oh, what so what fills me up with so much joy right now is being vulnerable and sharing and being with others and being like super honest and talking. Like I'm really energetic right now. You are. Even though maybe, you know, like an hour ago if I was just sitting on this couch doing something by myself, I would be like, "Oh, I'm Dying. tired." Yeah. But this is giving me so much energy and I'm super excited because it just like I find that I draw strength from being seen and seeing others truthfully and authentically so that's a place that brings me joy i find joy in movement and just like the simple act of parkour vaulting over a rail just jumping over a thing Ooh, look i jumped over a thing how cool my body can do that it's cute it's cute yeah those bring me joy what does being a man mean to you oh yeah that's a good one that's the one i think i asked jesse that on my very first episode being a man. And I'm throwing mm, it back around to you. What does it mean to me? You are almost 30 years old now. What, is, what does it mean to be a 30-year-old man? I don't know. I've it, never been one. Me- I'm, I'm asking myself. Oh. I'm asking you, too. You don't have to answer. I, I um, don't know. Being a 30-year-old man, 30-year-old, very white, very male, male, with a beard. Cis-hetero. Cis-hetero. White male. White male. Um... It means feeling my feelings and not going into uh, stereotypes, not having to feel grit and endure things, not having to grin and bear the burdens that I think society thinks I should bear. Just because other people just be, think that Just because other to. things. Like, being a man doesn't mean a stereotype for me. I can be a provider, but I can be provided for. I can feel my feelings, and I can listen to others. Being a man right now for me is just being authentic and seeking truth and fulfillment through activities and connecting. That's what being a man is to me right now. That's a good answer. Thank you. It's the answer I've given. (laughs) All right. Tyler Woods. Caitlin Woods. Thank you so much for being a guest on your own show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been a real honor. I will say you are the light of my life, and I love you a lot. And I look forward to having many, many more years ahead of us. And also, right after this, uh, eating some tasty meat. Mm. I look forward to all those things and the tasty meat. Thank you. I love you. Yeah, I love you too. Farewell. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, there you have it, my origin story. If you have any questions or comments, as always, send them over to lumbertronic at gmail.com. And until next time, keep sharing your story.